podcast with Dan and Scott. Hottest golf podcast, whether you like it or not. Fresh from back in the day when that's a put at the park. 7 a.m. PM special where they played after dark. From the birds to the focus to the losses and the win. Welcome podcast, patron to the show, lead the pen. Get busy golfing or get busy dying. Hottest golf podcast and the swing ain't lying. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to episode 161 of Leave the Pin Podcast. First episode of 2022, and we start off with an old friend, a great guest, Mike Creed, Corn Ferry Tour Caddy to Tyson Alexander. Mike has been all over the country, all over the map, all over the globe. He's going to regale you with stories about his time on tour, what he's been doing in the offseason, how him and Tyson are already prepping for the Corn Ferry Tour start and what he's kind of really looking forward to this year out on the KFT. So without further ado, my man, good friend of ours, Mr. Mike Creed. My man, Mike, what's good, brother? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, Dan, it's been a long time. It feels like a long time. Um, everything's, everything's good. Um, things are uh, starting to, to pick up here with the start of the season and um, just uh, waiting to get started. I uh, I looked at the Skype recording and it was literally almost a year ago that we had talked on Skype, which is nuts because you've been on like four or five times now. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, but obviously you, you've had a, a bunch of different people on, which is, which is good for the pod. Um, but it feels nice to, to do a pod before the season starts um, so that we can talk about everything. I think I've I've caught you um, when we've been like middle of the season type thing or towards the end of the yep. season. So it's kind of cool to to be on one when we're we're starting up here in, in a week or so. Yeah, I mean, literally, we just finished with uh, the 2021 wrap up before this, so this is a a perfect preview of the year. And I mean, and honestly, what a better guest to have than you, who's been on the Corn Ferry tour for years now. Uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna lie, honestly, probably my favorite tour out there i'm really starting to sour on the pga tour a bit it's getting a bit corny super commercialized um i i don't like that on the pga tour now like i've got to subscribe to espn plus to get everything you know it used to be uh nbc sports and they just keep flip-flopping um so the corn ferry tour to me is always and look like I, i like i'm a big minor league baseball fan too right so for me, the Corn Ferry Tour feels more home than like the glitz and glamour of the PGA Tour, if you will. Well, hopefully by this time next year, I'm going to Hawaii as opposed to going to the Bahamas. So hopefully I can come back when I'm eventually on the PGA Tour caddying. Um, I can be that, that one exception for, for the program. Um, oh, yeah. I love- look, I, mean, <laughs> I, I want nothing more than you to be enveloped in that glitz and glamour up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like I'm getting closer and closer, though, uh, especially from, God, when I look back and think of where I was when we first met in 2019 to where I am now, it's it's been a long journey, uh, but I feel like I'm ready to, you know, take the next step, which hopefully by the end of this season, that'll that'll be where I'm headed. Yeah, and for, for new listeners of the pod that maybe came on in the last year or so, and there's there's a lot of you out there. Um, just to kind of go back historically, Mike and Dan Urban were my two first guests ever on the podcast. Like our first episode, if you go back to episode one, 
That's recorded in the backyard uh, of some, I can't remember their names off the top of my head, but uh, two two great people that, that hosted you uh, at the Savannah Golf Championships, which even has a different name now, a new title sponsor, down in Savannah, Georgia, off their back porch, and we just had steaks and, uh, you know, hung out and did our first podcast and it was born right there. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a good time. That was, oh God, it feels like forever ago, you know? It, it It's three years. I mean, like literally, can you believe that? It's three years. Yeah. Absolutely wild. I mean, just, just wild. So listen, so for, for our new listeners and our, our new Instagram followers and stuff, Give us a brief summary of of you and and kind of what you do, and maybe if people haven't heard you on the pod before. All of our old listeners and you know our our OGs out there know you obviously, but you know, kind of give people a a what's what of of Mike Creed. Yeah, so I've been on the Corn Ferry Tour caddying since the 2019 season. Started off with a couple of different players, um, and then I've been working for Tyson Alexander since june of 2019 um we've uh we've we've played some good golf over that that stretch and um you know hopefully like i said by the end of this this season we'll we'll both be going to the pga tour um and uh yeah just i just really want to get out there i've had some friends um get up there uh that i've been traveling with and have known since i've been out here uh and you know it's it's good for them but I definitely want to be in that that type of situation uh, here very shortly. So, I mean, you you guys are going over two and a half years now, almost. And there's a you know there's a lot of turnaround in caddying to begin with, even more so out on the Corn Ferry Tour. W- what is it between you guys that just clicks that has kind of led to this you know super successful relationship between you two? I, th- I think our personalities just mesh um, really well when it comes to just our mannerisms and how we talk to each other and what we're into. And um, obviously what I do for him on the golf course, uh, he likes. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot of turnover um, in caddying in general, especially out on our tour. Um, the reliability factor that I've shown, um, you know, it's not easy to, to, to be out here in, in some different shape or form when it comes to money or traveling everywhere. Um, but I think we, we just get on really well. Uh, the, the relationship's gotten better and better, you know, as like any relationship would. Um, obviously this is a, it's, it's a working relationship, but we're, we're boys as well off the golf course. Um, so that sort of combination, um, can certainly, um, be be a very good thing in the life of a golfer if he has someone that he can depend on who's been by his side for multiple seasons. Do you do you feel like, you know, you said you mentioned that you were boys with him and I I can only imagine that that would be nothing more than a complete positive. You know, like if I had a stranger on my bag, I think I'm always kind of worrying, you know, is this guy doing right by me? Do you do you see that a lot out on tour that that guys are, you know, super friendly or, or good friends with their caddies or, or there's some people that want to keep it a strictly business relationship? Yeah, I think mostly from what I see, especially the guys that I know, um, most of them are, are pretty tight knit with with their player. 
mostly because they've been working for the same guy for um, at, at least a season. So I think that sort of um, relationship, when when you trust who you're standing next to, it's not like they have to worry about what you're doing so that they can, you know, solely just focus on their golf, which, you know, is obviously, you know, very amped up and um, uh, very, you know, high strung and, and very, at times, very pressuring. Um, but I think that that comfortability, comfortability factor um, of seeing the same face uh, for a long time um, can be very beneficial. Um, but yeah, for the most part, from what, from what I see, um, a lot of guys that I know have stuck with, with their player and their players stuck with them. Um, but you know, it's a new season, so I'm sure there's going to be some new faces. There's a ton of players that I don't really, I don't really recognize, uh, through final stage of Q school that'll be out playing this year. And obviously, you know, they'll have, um, that their their caddy and that might be a new face to the tour but again a lot of guys that i know have have bounced around some guys have got on the pj tour this fall and have come back down to our tour for one reason or another uh so it's, it'll be interesting at the start to you always kind of look out to see who's working for who um and then kind of catch up that way this this last year and i say year in quotations because your 21 year was really 2020-2021 year was that super year on the Corn Ferry Tour. How difficult was that to kind of navigate with Tyson, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic? Because at that point in time, you guys were probably only together for just about a year, a little bit less than a year when when everything kind of hit the fan. Do you, do you feel like the grind of this super season brought you guys even closer? In a way, uh, yeah. The one of the years we played into September, October, so that was even longer than usually having those months off. With so many events that we've played, um, yeah. I mean, we've 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 played a lot of, or he's played a lot of golf in front of me, and we've done a lot of tournaments together. So, you know, I do think with that combined season, uh, the relationship has has developed like it has. You still giving uh, trivia questions out there? <laughs> um, not on the regular. the 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 uh, The well is kind of kind of run dry. Um, but it's <laughs> it's funny, like guys that we had played practice rounds with or whatnot um, that we might not have seen for a handful of events because maybe they've had to Monday qualify. Um, there there have been a few instances when those guys have come back and gotten to an events. You know, they'll they'll ask me for for some. Um, but yeah, that, that's, I must've had about 40 or 50 different questions, um, and, you know, brain teasers and, and whatnot that, that I've gone through. It's always funny though. Tyson's dad, uh, buddy Alexander has probably come to four or five events and I always like to rattle a couple off to him that I know are kind of right in his kind of wheelhouse. Uh, so he always gets that a, a kick out of those too. But, um, but no, I've, 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 uh, I've I've kind of run out on on some of them, but uh, Golf Channel's been pretty good with putting some up from from time to time. So I'll uh, I'll try to remember a couple of those, and when I feel like I need to 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 ask him one, um, I'll always kind of bring it out and keep it in my back pocket for him. 
I like it. I like it. Or maybe even maybe even a new stick this year. You know, something different. Change the game up a little bit. Yeah, I got to think of something. <laughs> uh, so listen, so let's talk 2022. Um, you know, we're a few days into the new year by the time this podcast releases. Um, you have already had some time with Tyson over the last month, kind of practicing and stuff. Tell me about what your offseason looks like and and how you specifically, not Tyson, but how you, you know, as his caddy are prepping for this new year. Um, well, of course, I've I've gone back to club caddying a little bit in the offseason. Um, but going back to what you're talking about with the relationship, um, I'm down in Florida now. I've been down here for probably about three weeks. And it's uh, it's nice to be somewhat close to Tyson. He lives in Jacksonville, so it's about four hours away. Um, but I actually went up to TPC on Monday to um, basically go over with him um, some putting drills that he wants to do in terms of practice-wise on a week-to-week basis to get familiarized with those. What's the purpose of them? What's What are we working on here? Uh, so that's beneficial because otherwise if I was – um, you know, still up in Virginia, I wouldn't have the opportunity to see that until, you know, the first day that we're in the Bahamas. Um, so we've got a little bit of a head start. Um, this coming weekend, he's playing in a pro member at Old Memorial. So I'm going to go up and caddy for him in that just just to see him play some golf. Um, we uh, We got together in October when I was doing Q school for a friend of his. So I stopped by Jacksonville and um, actually played some golf with him. So that was pretty cool. Uh, it was the first time I ever swung a golf club in front of him, um, which was a little nerve wracking at the, at the start. <laughs> um, but, you know, cause you never know what to expect cause I don't get to play much golf as it is. So sure. that was, that was enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to kind of mentally get, get prepared in a way to, Again, and this ties into the super season with how many week to week to week events we played, um, given that, you know, I haven't um, been caddying in a professional kind of environment with the yardage book and and all that stuff. Um, you know, the next couple of days, I'll kind of start to kind of get in, in tune with with uh, with some of the stuff that I do out there, um, you know, thinking about his numbers of yardages and clubs and and stuff like that. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to get the ball rolling here. So now you've, you've got, um, you know, close to three full seasons under your belt out on tour there. The events haven't changed that often. You know, most of the ones you've, you've gone back to a few times now, um, are you using the same yardage books and just kind of updating as you walk through during the practice rounds? Or are they new books every single year that you're, you know, getting and, and creating for each event? Right. So some guys like to buy a new book every tournament of, you know, for every season. What I do is I've kept the same book because what I do is I write down every every single shot that we have hit together since 2019. I have written down in my yardage book. So if I was to open up, you know, what we hit on the second round of Exuma 
uh, in 2020, I would be able to tell you what we hit on every single shot. Um, Because for me, obviously, circumstances change in terms of how he's hitting it, what the wind's doing, all that stuff. But I like that kind of reference um, of, of what we've done in the past. And if we're in a similar situation, you know, that's something that I can look back on. Um, I put in all the pins, uh, from every tournament, you know, rounds one, two, three, four. So those are in there. Unfortunately, the PGA tour is making all of us buy new books this year. Uh, cause some of our books have slow percentages and very severe, um, arrows and whatnot. So with the green reading material going away, some of the, all the books are going away too. So we're going to have to buy you know, brand new books for all these events. So what I'll do is I'll take, I'll bring every single book that I've caddied in uh, to that tournament. I'll rewrite all those notes and then I'll start again with, with this year um, for, for notes and whatnot. So it's, it's kind of a bummer uh, to be having to not use that information. Um, But it is what it is. Uh, I am happy to, see the PGA tour, you know, get rid of those books, um, for obviously playing wise. Um, I do think they slow down the game a little bit. Um, they are extremely useful though, uh, if you can read them properly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, some of those guys that rely on those books on a week to week basis to see how that kind of affects their play. Luckily, um, we haven't, we don't use a green book regularly, which is good. Uh, Tyson's a very good putter as it is. Um, so we won't have to worry about that sort of change. Um, but there's a lot of guys out there who who will struggle a bit, I think, at the start um, with that. You should be the one doing this podcast because you literally just answered, like, my next three questions in a row there. That, that was perfect. So, I mean, that's... That's the big thing out on tour, right? And, uh, you know, if, if you watch the Golf Channel, if you follow golf media in the golf space, the green reading books are going away. They're getting smaller in size, too. Isn't that correct? They're going to mandate, you know, um, the size of them. I believe the PG, uh, that's a local rule or something along those lines um, I had read. But the big thing is obviously, you know, the putting arrows and the slope and the gradient all kind of going away. Um, so I was going to ask if you think that would affect Tyson, obviously not. Um, I'm sure with you being out there for so long, you have seen guys that take, you know, like the Bryson's that take three or four minutes over, you know, your seven footer or something like that there. Um, how, how many guys on, you know, if you were just to throw in a number percentage wise, how many guys on, on tour do you think are really going to kind of suffer in the beginning from that? Uh, you know, it's hard to say for for guys on the Corn Ferry Tour who haven't been playing for the last couple of months. Um, it might be a little bit of a shock to the system, but I'm assuming that all these guys have been playing and practicing um, without that help, whether it's a level or whatnot, which I think you can use a level on the practice screens. But again, some guys will take that out uh, to in the practice rounds on the greens and and kind of see where the percentage of slope is um, with other technology that's out there too. Um, but I, I, I think mm, 20% might struggle. I, I can't tell okay. if it's a high number in terms of 
the number of guys out there. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think a, a decent amount of players will will struggle a little bit, especially um, we play on past Palomgrass these first two events, which is I, I think is similar to Bermuda, and then you know we'll play Bermuda grass obviously for most of the southern U.S. states, and then we'll play bent grass here and there. So being able uh, or changing the playing surfaces can obviously, you know, change a lot for for some of these guys as well um, when, it, right. when it comes to putting. Well, and you would think, I mean, you, you would think maybe, like you said, the first three, four, five events, maybe they suffer. But, you know, these are the best golfers in the world. They've got to make adjustments every single day. You know, climatic conditions, grass conditions, et cetera, et cetera, things going on in their life. You you would assume that relatively quickly they'd be able to, you know, make those accommodations to kind of get back to playing the way they normally do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these 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 guys know how to adapt fairly well and fairly quickly to their circumstances. So, um, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, so yeah, but in, in our case, I'm I'm glad we don't really have to worry about it. So, do you guys have your schedule set for this year, or at least the beginning portion of your schedule set? Yeah. So we'll play. He told me we're playing everything through Dallas, which is that second week of April. Now, I didn't work Dallas for him last year when he won. Uh, so I'm a I'm assuming that. His buddy Will from Florida, who lives in Dallas, will caddy for him in that as well. Um, so we'll play these first uh, first five. We'll have a couple weeks off. We'll play Louisiana. We'll play Savannah. Um, and then after Dallas, we have another week off. So that's kind of different. And then we'll play – well, I think the next one would be um, Huntsville, Alabama. He didn't play that last year. So it'll be – I don't think he'll play Huntsville. Uh, but we'll just have to see. Usually we play a maximum of six events in a row and then take one off. Um, or, if okay. there's a, or if there's a, a stretch where I think this year it's um, the BMW Pro-Am, Wichita, Kansas, and then Maine. We'll probably, we didn't play the BMW last year just because it's a, it's a longer week with multiple golf courses. We like playing in right. Wichita. And then we didn't play in Maine just because the travel is um, a, a bit too much. Uh, for, for yeah, that that's that stretch there is is insane. You go from Kansas up to Maine and then back out to Colorado if you were going to play the week after. Yeah, so we love playing in Colorado. We should have won that tournament last year. Um, yeah, that's so right. That's right. With with um, yeah, with how that's set up, I can I can definitely ninety nine percent sure say we're not going to play Maine again, um, which is fine because. You know, some of these places, especially that city in Maine, is pretty small, so it's pretty expensive for finding somewhere to stay and, and whatnot. Um, so, but yeah, right now we're, we'll play up until the, the middle of April for, for those events. Can you give us, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care what tournament, pick any tournament, any, any city in the country that you want. Can you give us kind of a snapshot of what your week would look like? you know, getting into the city, how you kind of navigate that, wh where you're finding housing, food, kind of et cetera, et cetera, right? Because everybody thinks, you know, um, man, I, I would love to caddy. It's so glamorous. Like, that's awesome, man. That's got to be the easiest job in the world. I'm just carrying dudes' bags. And you know and I know 
And I know specifically from watching you work, the amount of time that goes into it and, you know, the grind. I mean, you just, you just mentioned just the, the tedious effort to put in every single shot that he's hit. I mean, like, the people out there right now listening to this, think about that. You don't even track your putts per round. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, or, or you might track, like, oh, I missed six fairways today. This is every single shot hit, where the pin positions are, just a, you know, a wealth of information. So I think it would be interesting for you to kind of talk a little bit about what a you know an average normal week looked like for you out on tour. For sure. So typically – uh, you know, I'll fly out the earliest flight I can get Monday morning if we're leaving a tournament to get to the next one. So it's usually a, I don't know, 6, 7 a.m. flight. So I'll fly to the city, get to that city, pick up the rental car. I usually like to get to the golf course to at least walk nine holes. So that What are you using go- as a rental? You using uh, like we- Hertz and stuff? Are you go- doing Turo or what's easier no, for got- you guys? So the PGA Tour... Um, they have a deal with Avis. So there's a bunch of codes floating around that uh, we, well, like anyone can use them if they can get their uh, hands on them and it's a discount code. So, you know, when obviously with the pandemic, you know, a lot of people were saying how expensive, expensive rental cars have been, you know, four or five, right. $600. Um, I'm, I'm getting a code with a discount price. That's basically like two fifty for the week, which it's okay, awesome because awesome. I'm, I'm splitting yeah. that cost most likely with somebody else. <clears throat> um, so that that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, I'll pick the rental car up, walk nine holes. Um, I always, you know, want to check the sprinkler heads to see if they're marked properly or if they're marked with something else that I need to make a note of. Uh, so that's pretty much nine holes before dark. Uh, Tuesday is a pretty heavy practice like day for most guys since everyone's usually flying in on Monday. So we'll probably, we usually get there 10 o'clock. We'll putt around for an hour, two hours, we'll eat lunch. We'll hit some balls. We'll play nine holes most likely because, uh, after his win, you know, that typically puts you in the pro-am groups on Wednesday. So Wednesday is a pretty light day. Uh, by the end of Tuesday, I would have walked the nine holes that I hadn't done on Monday. So the my whole entire book is done by Tuesday night. So uh, okay. it's less work to have to do uh, on the pro-am day because they don't really want us walking out there while their pro-am's going on. Uh, so we'll play nine holes typically on Wednesday for the pro-am because they've started to split it into a nine for two different pros, which is kind of cool and certainly real nice for the guys. Because uh, then you're not stuck out there for you know five six hours. Yeah, um, it makes their so, day a lot shorter. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, that'll bring in Thursday when the tournament starts. Um, usually, I'll do Airbnbs with up to four guys. You know, we'll cook dinners and whatnot, or go out to dinner. Um, since I've been out here for a couple years, I've got a good amount of hosts in certain cities. Um, some amazing people that um, they don't know, you know, how big a favor that they're doing for us to allow us into their homes for the week and accommodate us and, and all that stuff, which is great. Um, so, yeah. And then Thursday, you know, hopefully we're playing late into Sunday. And then, um, for instance, like this coming up, um, I have a flight in Bogota, Colombia 
that leaves at 140 um, Monday morning. I get into Miami at like 6 a.m. I got to sit around the airport for a couple hours and then I fly from Miami to Tampa to get here on the Monday for the LECOM uh, tournament. So that's kind of crazy. A lot of it is price orientated. Um, I don't necessarily try to find the cheapest flight out there, but I certainly want to kind of limit it to anything around a max of like 250 um, if I can. So, so we fly in a specific, the- we fly a specific airline at all, or are we just going based off of price? Uh, I'll never step foot on a Spirit airline. I've, I haven't yet. I've done Frontier a couple times, which was actually not that bad. Uh, I don't ever bring a checked bag. I bring a carry-on the entire season. I got this nice little roller deal that everyone that sees me can't believe that I can fit all my stuff in there for you know multiple weeks. Um, but yeah, my packing game is very strong. Um, but yeah, I usually try to do, and and, like everyone hates American airlines, but that's probably the most, um, that's the airline that I think I have the most miles with any one of that Delta United. I like United the most, but they're a little bit pricier than, than the other two. Um, but you know, if you got to bite the bullet and pay a little more for a little more comfort and you know, reliability on the airline, then, then I'll, I'll have to do that. How often, um, especially now, you know, midst of pandemic or at least when it was real kind of heavy and you guys were still traveling and out there, how often are flight cancellations or rental cars not being there affecting you during an average season? Does that happen often? Not at all. Uh, well, I'll, I'll knock on wood given the current climate with airlines, but I haven't really had to deal with any canceled flights or rental cars not being there. Um, through Avis, since I've rented so many cars, I'm Avis preferred. So when I turn my phone on when we land, they send me like a text through the app saying, oh, yeah, your car's ready in lot B4. So I don't ever have to go to the counter, which is real convenient. Um, and with airlines, yeah, I just haven't had any issues, uh, luckily. Um, so hopefully that, that continues into this season. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic, especially with everything you hear you know, on the news or even talking to other players and caddies. Uh, the fact that you haven't is, is incredible. So hopefully that continues on through 2022, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Now, you mentioned cooking at home in the Airbnb or, or going out to eat. What, what's the ratio for the week? Does it depend on who you're rooming with? Uh, you know, does it depend on if you're getting off the course late? What factors into that? Because obviously, you go to the food store, you're going to save a lot more money than if you're going out to eat every night. Yeah, for sure. Time, time is definitely a factor because if we're pushing – you know, past seven, seven thirty. I don't want to come back and cook. Uh, yeah. What I might do on a Monday is cook something that I can like heat up again. Uh, you know, one or two days during the week, so I can turn one meal into three. Um, but I would, I would prefer to cook more than go out to eat. It depends on what the kitchen is like uh, that we have in the Airbnb. For instance, like I've, I've been to the Bahamas a number of times now. Um, there is literally like two places to eat 
like this year I'm having a rental car, <laughs> uh, which I've never had before in the Bahamas. Um, we have hitchhiked to the golf course in the past. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember which, telling me those stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this year, yeah, we're going to rent a car. Uh, we're, we're upgrading a little bit. Uh, so we'll be able to, you know, go down to the couple grocery stores they have. So this year I'm going to pack, I don't know, let's say 12 bags of ramen in my carry-on just so that I have something that, because food in the Bahamas is super expensive. There's, you know, a jar of peanut butter will cost you six bucks. Um, it's, it's unreal. Uh, so like eating something like that, that will just kind of hold me over until, the next morning to where I can, you know, eat all the breakfast I want at the resort. Um, you know, that's something I'm going to do because in the past there's another resort next to Sandals that a lot of people will go to. The food is great, um, but it's expensive. So you're going to walk out and spend 60 bucks on a dinner that would cost you half the price here in the U.S. Um, right. So I'm going to try to do that this year. Uh, sometimes the convenience of just walking over and Eating something, you know, better than ramen is, uh, you know, maybe what I'll end up doing. But I'm going to plan out to to bring some top ramen for these first couple of events. So when I was in college and wrestling, and I'm sure you playing soccer in college, you probably would take a ton of food from the calf or the commissary, you know, and bring it back to your room. Is that something you can do with these tournaments? I mean, can you load up on your way out? Is the food half decent for you guys? Yeah, the, the food's pretty good most weeks. The problem is, uh, especially in these these first couple of events, you know, you're not exactly on site. So, like, what are you going to do with the food that you're going to take? Now, I've seen some <laughs> real – I've seen some kind of gross stuff that, that some caddies will do that they'll, they'll bring little baggies, like Ziploc baggies, and, you know, put sandwiches that they make in them with, you know, whatever toppings are on them and they'll be sitting in their bag for half the day, but then they'll go back and, <laughs> and eat them, you know, like obviously, you know, you got to do what you got to do to survive out here. And if you got to do that, yeah. you know, fair play to you. So in those instances, I'm probably not going to load up all that much. Um, but again, like with the ramen, I'll bring a bunch of cliff bars too, that I can just kind of stuff in the backpack and, kind of ration off as as the days go by for sure what what event out there feeds you the best what event do you look forward to to going to that has a decent spread for you guys well you know that'll be something that's different too this year because with the pandemic uh a lot of places just went to like you know wrap pre-made sandwiches you know there wasn't the kind yeah of like brown bags yeah which kind of sucks uh, you know of course, you know, these tournaments are good enough to give us something, you know, rather than nothing. Um, I would say, though, I went to South America in 2020 for the first time. And, like, you can pay 100 bucks to eat with the players in Colombia, which is amazing food. Uh, Panama, we eat with the players, too. And, like, it's, it's real good. Um, so those two places are very good. Um, but... Pre-pandemic, you know, some places would bring in like Chick-fil-A sandwiches, which was pretty good. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what what they do um, here this this coming season uh, to see if it'll be the same or, or different. Um, but if I kind of notice how the food is at the beginning of the week, then I'll just go buy a loaf of bread and make my own peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just 
crush that on the cor- uh, course. Um, right. However, however, seeing as how like me and Tyson have a good relationship and whatnot, um, he does bring me food from player dining, which is kind of nice because not a lot of guys do that for their caddy. Um, right. And um, so most weeks, you know, he'll ask me every day that we're out there, you know, do you, do you need anything to eat? And he'll bring me, you know, whatever they're eating, which is nice. Um, so sometimes, some weeks I don't have to worry about what the caddies are actually eating because, you know, my man's taking care of me, which is nice. Yeah, isn't it isn't it crazy, though, in this day and age that there's still, like, this separation between players and caddies out there? You know what I mean? That the, the players are getting something completely different. And I understand the spotlight's on the players, but we're, we're talking food here, you know? It's not like... <laughs> It's not. It is. It's not like they're giving the cat. You know, the players like five thousand dollar gift bags, and and you know, have to give you guys the same thing as well. Like it's food. Yeah. Well, so I worked final stage at Q School back in November, and it was at the landings in Savannah on another one of their golf courses. So they allowed us to eat with the players that week, and one of the rules officials had set it up, and he was intending that this is going to be a regular thing this year. So we'll see if that happens. Uh, but okay. that was totally unexpected and awesome. Cause again, the food was really good. And yeah, you know, my thought process is sure. I'm with you. Why can't we eat there, you know, during the week? Cause they're only going to throw out whatever they don't eat anyways. Yeah, and exactly. some of the players, some of the players don't want to eat the food there to begin with. They go out and, you know, do their own thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's weird, but, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I just put my head down and try not to make a fuss about anything. You know, I don't want to be yeah, that guy for sure. out on tour. That's, for sure. That's uh, that's kind of bad, bad rep for, yeah. for certain things. Well, you'll be eating like a king out on the PGA Tour soon. So then yeah, you'll have to sure. smuggle me some food out there, some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward. I've, I've, I've seen pictures over the last couple of years from caddies that I follow on Instagram, and they always take the picture – of the milkshakes at Murrayfield Village, so I'm hoping, yeah, like I can get me one of them, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, I I tell you what, I mean, you know, hopefully that comes to fruition. Uh, the Corn Ferry Tour has seen a little bit of increase in prize money. You know, we we're going three quarters of a mil for every tournament up until the end. Um, we jump to 850k for. Uh, the Pinnacle Bank in Omaha, and everything after that's a million. So the prize money's going up. Hopefully they start, you know, feeding you guys better. But what's what's crazy to me is the amount of money that flows around on the PGA Tour. You know, we've done media at events, and I walk into the media food, and I'm like, are you sure I'm supposed to be eating this? Like, this is good stuff. Like, I can only imagine what the players are getting out there. Yeah, it's like it's probably, you know, four-star dining, honestly. Yeah, probably. And I will say, since the Corn Ferry has taken over the tour, they've done an awesome job with, you know, I think almost every tournament has a title sponsor now. Like you said, they've increased money that was very stagnant for a while. Um, Obviously, like, they don't want to make it comfortable out here for these guys because obviously the end goal right. is not to be on this tour. They don't want to have, you know, guys, you know, year after year on here. You know, some guys are, but making a living um, out there. Sure, sure, which, yeah. which they can do. 
Um, but again, the end they, goal is they don't, to, yeah, the end goal is to get off this tour and onto the PGA right. tour. Um, but in a way, you know, seeing the money that is thrown around with the PGA tour, you know, some of that should definitely come this way a little bit. So hopefully this is the uh, first step of that. Any word that you've heard around from caddies, players, officials on any sort of ability to stream events or to get the Corn Ferry Tour on the Golf Channel or to get it out to people? Because, you know, I've talked about this with you since we first met. I think it's the biggest boat that they are missing because the golf is is not subpar. I mean, it's half a stroke per round off of what the PGA Tour plays and, and you see the scores these guys put up, and it's astronomical, world-class golf, but nobody can watch it. Nobody can see it. This is, this is literally one of the only ways maybe half you know the people listening to this podcast get their information about the Corn Ferry Tour, right? It's hearing from people like you because it's non-existent. Yeah, like they always do. I think the, first bah- the two Bahamas events are on TV. Um, Utah is usually on TV. Omaha is on TV. There's only like five, obviously. Yeah, that's yeah. It's the beginning of the year and the end of the year. There's none of that grind in the middle, which is you know honestly the super important time for these guys to move up and down that top twenty-five leaderboard. Yeah, no, they did a live stream of Colorado last year. They had PGA Tour live out there. I think that was just on Saturday and Sunday. I know they're live streaming the event in Dallas this year. Probably a similar thing with PJ Tour Live. Um, but yeah, like some weeks I can understand logistically and not, it might not be worth it. But when we're playing city to city within like a three or four hour drive, like it doesn't make sense that they can't do both of those. But obviously with TV and whatever else that's coming with it, um, it's probably not beneficial to them. But again, like there's there's some great golfers out here you know, like, for instance, I'm sure everyone knows who Will Zalatoris is, you know, since September yep. when he's, when he's, um, you know, playing that U.S. Open and now he's, you know, turned that into full status. But, you know, he was playing with us for over two seasons um, and playing really good golf. So it'd be good to, like, see some relevancy with these names that are coming up to the PGA Tour and people already know who they are by the time they're up there. Um but yeah, I haven't heard anything um, in regards to that. Uh, just just those couple tournaments that are usually on TV and the ones that are going to be streamed. Yeah, I mean, you make a great point because every year, you know, after Kapalua, which is winners only, so everyone kind of knows those names, the rest of the Hawaii events and the early season events are really filled with, you know, not no names to you and I, but to the general golfing public, they're filled with no-name golfers. How awesome would it be if there was a chance for people to know those names because they saw them come up from the Corn Ferry Tour, graduate to the PGA Tour? I, I think it would only help the PGA Tour in terms of viewing audience. That you know, th- think about it when you when you go and you go to like a Major League Baseball game, which is always the best example I can give. You go and and you watch whatever team that you follow. You know those guys that came up from the minors, you know because. You're such a diehard fan of that team, or you live in an area where there's a minor league team and you can go see them. The Corn Ferry Tour being a traveling, you know, event, 
you're not going to see these guys week in, week out, but television or the internet gives you that ability to. So I think, you know, I think the PGA Tour is missing a boat here, not the Corn Ferry Tour. The PGA Tour is missing the boat on developing names and likenesses and, and personalities that are going to be their future. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's such a big misconception. Like, there's a huge misconception with how the public perceives professional golf in one way or another. But for someone who has, um, you know, been around the Corn Ferry Tour and I, I know how it works in terms of the guys who graduate, whether it's from the playoffs or from the 25, when they're on the PGA Tour, it's not like they're getting into every single tournament. And right. there's a lot of guys who are starting this you know west coast event in hawaii um in the sony who need to play some really good golf in order to stay in those events otherwise by you know march or april they're going to be playing our events because they can't get into those events so it'd be kind of cool to see the pga tour highlight you know a couple of those guys and their journey especially being on the tour for the first time um and i i thought i heard something that the PJ Tour is going to do something like, not like a hard knocks, but they're going to highlight, I think, eight yes. to ten guys, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it, it's probably not going to be broadcasted like as well as it could be if like a private sort of show put it on Netflix, because obviously the PJ Tour wants to, you know, highlight probably bigger names than what you and I will know of. Yeah, and, and they're going to keep it super vanilla as well, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, it's, it's awesome to see the stories of the players up there that I know, especially, obviously, their caddies because I've been around them, to be able to see the success that they are having or had um, in the fall events that just finished or in these tournaments coming up where they need to play good golf in order to, to stay up there. All right, so let's not just, you know, talk the talk. Let's give people some info. Give give us a few names of people that the general golf fan should be looking out for on the Corn Ferry Tour. Like, who's got some game? Who's got some great personalities out there that are going to kind of work their way into our mindsets over the next few years? Hopefully it's Tyson Alexander. For one. sure, that's number one. Um, let's see, see a couple guys that like I've been looking out for have gotten off the corn ferry onto the PJ tour, um, this past fall. Um, but in terms of guys who are going to be our, on our tour this year, uh, um, Roberto Diaz is one, uh, Mexican player. Mm -hmm. He's been on the PJ tour before. Uh, he's a very likable guy. Um, and you know, obviously being a caddy, you know, guys don't, they don't know me if I'm walking by them, but I always respect guys that will like say what's up to you as you're walking by and whatnot. So anyone who does that, like to me, if I don't know them, is a good guy because there's plenty of guys who will walk by you and not say anything. Um, sure. Which is which is obviously there's such an in and out of guys coming in and off the tour um, that that's understandable. Um, but there's a couple guys out there who walk around like, you know, they own the place. Anyways, uh, Roberto's a, a good guy. He's played some good golf. Um, someone else. Um, so Tyson lives with this guy, uh, Connor Godsey, who's come up from the Latin tour. Um, and 
when I was out with Tyson on Monday, we played uh, nine holes with a couple Corn Ferry guys. Uh, Connor wasn't there, but he was, Tyson was saying, you know, how long this guy is off, how good he's been hitting the driver. Like he's out driving Tyson, which, you know, he is certainly not a short hitter by any means. Um, so I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see how, how Connor plays, um, for another reason as well. So Connor, um, in the off season, uh, when I was visiting Tyson, uh, asked my opinion on some guys, uh, in terms of finding a caddy. So I found Connor's caddy for him, um, who's an experienced guy off the PGA tour. Uh, so that'd be interesting to see, you know, how they work together and how they play, uh, together. So he might be another name. I think he finished, um, definitely in the top five off the Latin tour. I want to say he finished second or third. Um, but, um, see if I can think of another name. Uh, what about, what about some cat? What about some caddies out there with, with some personality? Oh man. I mean, (laughs) there's, there's young, there's old, there's short, there's tall, there's thin, there's fat. Like they're all different. Uh, (laughs) There, there's some, there's some, some nutcases out here. Um, uh, one of, one of my, one of my buddies I was traveling with is on the PJ tour now and his brother, they're twin brothers. Um, and, uh, like they're very, they're like the bear grills of caddying. Like one guy's name is crunchy Pete. I'm sure you've heard of him. Oh, or, of course. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. So his brother, his brother, Dave, um, is up on the PJ tour now with, he's working for David skins and, um, and yeah, those, those, I don't know Pete, but I know Dave and, you know, he's, he's very, uh, he's very adventurous and he's a very unique guy. Um, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think of, um, um, no, no big personalities are coming, coming to, to my, my head, a buddy of mine, a good friend of mine who I travel with a lot. Uh, we're going to be basically on a week to week basis together. Uh, his name is Mike. He works for a Chinese player named Carl Yan. Um, and uh, they've been together for over a year. And Carl uh, was like 23rd on the money list. And he had to go to Japan to play in the Olympics. So he had to leave about three weeks before the Olympics started to quarantine and go through all that. So uh, I think he was expected to come back after the Olympics. But for some reason, China wouldn't let him. So huh. he was 23rd on the money list. And then, you know, he didn't play another event for the rest of the right. season, which was unfortunate because at the time they were, they were playing really well. Um, so they might be another guy to, to look out for, to see, to see, um, you know, how he does. And Carl's a character on his own. Um, he does some crazy unique things with his follow throughs and his, chip shots he's got a shank drill that he warms up with sometimes like it's he's a very unique uh he's a very unique character all right so last thing i'm going to get you out of here on this um for a man that's been inside the ropes you know for his whole entire professional caddying career if someone goes out to a corn ferry tour event right normal fan they've got a ticket on you know thursday and friday what do they need to do to get kind of the full experience? What do you recommend someone going out, doing vantage points, viewing, you know, who, who should they follow, the, the leaders, the, the last groups in, first groups out, whatever? 
Yeah. What's your recommendation like, for the grounds? Yeah, if we're talking like the entire week, uh, I think practice rounds are very underrated in terms of what guys do and especially like around the greens, um, you know, how they can manipulate the golf ball from any type of vantage point and lie and whatnot. I think like that aspect is something that not a lot of people um, get to, to see on like the Corn Ferry Tour because typically, you know, people are only showing up Thursday through Sunday. Um, the uh, Again, like another thing is the chipping area, being able to watch those guys, you know, open up the club face and hit all different trajectories, low, high, you know, soft landing shots is, is just totally unreal. And, you know, it's not a lot of uh, like a lot of amateur golfers who just, you know, play casually don't really, you know, ever go to a chipping green because sometimes golf courses don't have one. But um, right. that's that's something that I think like a lot of people can pick up little things on to benefit their games. Um, and then Thursday through Sunday, if you're picking a day to go out, um, I always like walking just holes in general. I've never, when I've gone to events before I started doing it professionally, I never really sat at one hole and just watched. Um, but, uh, drivable par fours are always fun to watch, you know, seeing, cause not everyone's hitting a driver, um. It's all situational and what what the player wants to do. Um, so dry, I'd say drivable par fours are probably a good watch, and um, maybe like a good par three somewhere where you can you know s- sit down somewhere um, with uh, with some grandstands, and uh, you know again maybe sit there for for an hour or two and 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 just uh, and just watch you know see closest to the pin type stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, if it were me, I would definitely be all over like a practice round type thing or, or just watching the short game area because, um, you know, these guys aren't robots. Like some guys, if you ask them a question, you know, they're, they're going to hit you back with an answer. Um, so that's, uh, that's something unique that you might not get to do at a PGA Tour event. One, because maybe the practice area is too far from where you're roped off at. Um, right. But in our case, our case, the, the clubs we play at are usually um, a little older. So everything is very like the putting green is right next to the chipping green, which is right next to the driving range. So you can certainly um, you can certainly probably carry on some conversations that you probably wouldn't expect to if you you know were to approach one of these guys and catch them at the right time. Very cool. Very cool. Well, look, people, if you're out there on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. Look for Tyson Alexander, and obviously, first and foremost, look for our man, Mike Creed. Mike, obviously, it's always a pleasure having you on. Best of luck this year. We'll catch up sometime. You know, let's go middle of the season and see where we're standing at. For sure, for sure. Always always fun being being on here and, and catching up and chatting about some, uh, some golf. For sure. All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. At Eagles and Arrows, we supply timeless style and high-quality golf essentials. We strive to provide the personal attention that consumers deserve. We're taking extra steps to personally and thoughtfully design our goods to bring you the best products out there. In 2021, we are releasing a new head club cover every month. We're releasing several new hat designs, including the Tremendous Slouch, which is on our website right now. 
We're also doing custom designs on our gloves and all of our leather goods. At the end of the day, we're all about living life to its fullest and enjoying this amazing game that we love with great people. Love golf, live life, Eagles and Arrows. Check us out on Instagram at Eagles and Arrows CO and online at www.eaglesandarrows.com.